Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello there, welcome to the show. Dan here from the Square Ball, along with Michael from the Square Ball and Phil Hay from The Athletic. Sat there over opposite me. Hello, Phil. Hello. Live streaming, this is exciting, isn't it? We don't get any second chances with this. It, it was quite tense, actually, in the build-up. Ten, ten minutes of silence, although I think Michael was mostly worried about you and the new tech. No, no, no. It's, it's the sexual tension between two, you two, well, well. two baldies yeah. that, uh, yeah, that's nothing new, that always does it. We should say the, the show is brought to you by West Yorkshire Electrical. Michael, take it away. They've, um, well... I'm not going to reveal the identity of these mysterious new employees they've got, um, but they've uh, because they're doing so much solar work, they've taken on their own roofers. That's good, isn't it? No, it's not me. It's not you. Yeah, no, it's people who know what they're doing. Yeah, long-time viewers or listeners to our show will know that uh, Michael did attempt to repair his own roof. Mixed results. Yeah. I mean, it worked for a bit. Mm. It still sort of works, but yeah, I would um, I would trust the people at West Yorkshire Electrical a bit more. As would I, specialists in renewables, which is why they've done this. They're in loads of solar panels, they do battery storage, EV chargers, all the usual stuff as well. School contract in the full shebang. Um, wyelectrical.co.uk for details. You can also find them on socials. Right, let's get into it then. So we are going to chat transfers. Yes, why not? Do some of the comments that have come in on YouTube. Some uh, some sensible, some not so sensible. Help me. Uh, I will do. So we'll do those, like, um, I think as, as we get towards um, the middle of the show. Um, talk about Preston as well. And we'll do some, excuse me, some more comments towards the back end of the show. So, should we start on transfers, Phil? Oh, why not? Why not? All the transfers to talk about, yeah. Well, as Gareth is saying in the comments, where are all the signings, Phil? Yes, yes. Um, to coin a phrase from the Viz, we're starting to get down to the vinegar strokes of the transfer window, <laughs> aren't we? So, if it's going to happen, it's going to have to happen pretty soon. We're due to see Farker this afternoon, um, half past one. Uh, so, it'll be interesting to see what he says. And it still feels like we've said on previous podcast that it's going on in the background without at this stage delivering any results yet um what have we got to go 10 days 11 days yeah um is, is it deliberate strategy do you think to wait towards like the end of the window to to get players in because i know it does alarm people I, I don't think deliberate in the sense of let's wait until the back end of the window so everybody gets really twitchy and then we'll deliver and go look it's it's all fine it's just that sometimes and quite often in in any window, but particularly in January, you have to wait until the back end of it to see what other clubs are going to do and to see if they relent over certain players. It's not that much of a secret about who Leeds have been looking at, particularly at right back, but there are obviously issues with all of them when it comes to actually getting them. I mean, Nico Williams, for example, at Forest, not available. Nuno doesn't want to lose him, so even though you like him a lot, the chance of you getting him are pretty much nil unless they, you know, unless their stance changes towards the end of the window. Others like Connor Roberts, Ben Johnson, not necessarily cheap, not necessarily easy, but you know could could potentially be done. And it does feel a little bit as if they they know who they've got their eyes on. They're waiting to see if if anything gives. But I think they have to be really really cautious and really careful not to come out of this window looking weaker because they have lost two right backs. And as we said before, 
that wasn't the plan in this window. It wasn't actually the plan to lose either of Spence or Ailing. That's just how it's developed because of circumstances, different circumstances with both of them. But in that position in particular, um, they look weaker than, than they did before the window opened. And I think if um, if they were to end up filling one position only in this window, you'd probably say that that would have to be the one that needs looked at. At what point are we allowed to panic? Um, panic now, if you want. Okay, yeah, good. no, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah. we'll, just, be like, we'll be like, yeah, just that kind of, yeah, there's stuff going on in the background, but you know, if, if stuff's still going on in the background in a week's time, do you go, mm, I'd, well, I'd rather some it, of this was a bit more foreground. If, if stuff's still going on in the background in a week's time, then you really are starting to get down to the, the final days when, when it has to happen. And that's quite often when things do give, when, when, when transfers do develop. Um, I don't think the league table or the form especially gives much cause for concern. So, it's not panic about the bigger picture, I don't think. It's more panic about... The, the opportunity in this window, as far as I can see, is to mi- mitigate and limit the risk of finding yourself caught short later in the, the season. It's not that Farker doesn't have a lot of good players. It's not that necessarily anybody who signs would be coming into the team straight away. But I think he says it himself, you know, anybody with eyes can see where they need a little bit more. So who are Leeds looking at? Then you said everybody knows who they're looking at. If anybody doesn't know who they're looking at, who are, who are they looking at? Who's in the frame at the minute? Well, the, the right back they would really like is Nico Williams, but I think we can assume that that is not going to happen. Um, they do like um, Connor Roberts at Burnley as well. Um, there's been, I mean, he played for, for Burnley last week, came off the bench. Um, so not quite clear exactly how much he would cost, how easy he would be to get, but he's 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 a bit on the fringes um, under, under company. And Ben Johnson down at West Ham, not getting many minutes, um, six months away from the end of his contract. Leeds would like to do that one on loan if, if it was him that they were to go for. Almost certainly be a loan fee involved, but I think West Ham, because of where his contract is at, would prefer to to take a fee and, and sell him. Although, from what I'm hearing down at the West Ham end, uh, even though he's rejected quite a few contract offers, um, they're not averse to tying him to a new one still if they can, because they do do really rate him. Um, so it, it, everybody seems to be falling into a certain category, which is very much Premier League players who you can get on loan. Um, and as we came into the window... We were chatting um, about the fact that there are loan slots free in Farkas' squad and also in his matchday squad. You know, you could get get another um, another few loanees into that. Um, so it makes sense to be looking at that market. It makes sense from an FFP point of view as well, because if you're taking loanees, you're not, you know, you might have a loan fee, but if you don't, you're committing to wages alone and, and not um, not a fee on top of that. Uh, so yeah, there does seem to be, I would say, a, a kind of definite model that they're they're going after here, which is what's in the division above and 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 what can you take from there? And that applies to quite a few clubs at the moment. What do you think then to the chances of getting Joe Rodon on a permanent deal? LUFC Loft has just mentioned it in the comments on the uh, on the YouTube stream. Um, it's been floating around as a rumour, hasn't it, for a, for a bit this week? It has. There, there hasn't been any sign to this point that Leeds were dead set on doing that. Um, and it would depend on his price. I mean, when, when he came in, and I think I have spoken about this, but when he came in, the initial conversation with Spurs was, you know, we want to sign him on loan, we being Leeds. Um, and Spurs said, Levy said, we'd, we'd value him at £15 million. That's what you, that's what you need to pay for him. At which point Leeds backed away and said, we can't afford that. You know, that's not a deal we're, we're going to do. And then within about 24 hours, Tottenham had said, OK, well, in that case, have him on loan for the season. There's no recall clause this month, uh, which is good. So that means they're not under any pressure um, and, and, and we're at no risk of, of Spurs taking him back. And also because he's been playing um, a huge amount, I, I don't think in, in his head he would want to bail out of this loan either. So Leeds have got him for the season. Um, I suppose the question they have to ask with Roden, I've been really impressed by him. The question they have to ask is, how is his form 
going to translate and transfer to the Premier League if they do go up because realistically that's what you would be signing him for and you have to decide whether or not the money you'd be paying is is sensible given that Rodon doesn't really have a track record at, at that level yet or not a, not an extensive one but I think we were chatting about this earlier in, in the week um, between us and, and you made the point I think it's a really good one that you do need a certain depth um, in any position and you do need you know at centre back you need options that you can rely on even if you have some who are better than others and I certainly think as a, a pool of of centre-backs in the Premier League, Rodon would be worth having at the right price. Would you fancy Rodon signing on a permanent, Michael? It doesn't seem to make sense to do it now, I don't think, given we've got him for the season anyway. It feels like, we're, I'm assuming we're playing with limited resource here, so I don't see why we'd necessarily want to chuck a load of money now because we don't yet know the situation for next year. And it feels like this is, I know they've said they're committed to Farka for, for longer, but this feels like a one-year project in some ways because we've got, it probably is if we don't go up the last year of Rutter and Somerville and probably a few others. So it doesn't seem to make sense to necessarily go now on it. It's someone that if if we get to the summer and I mean there's an argument for either division to buy him anyway, I think. But it just feels like for now, please God sign a fallback instead. <laughs> it's it's not a secret that um PS pressure will be pretty heavy at the end of the season if leads don't go up and that they they would have to sell certain players to um or they would have to bring in a certain amount of money. That was the big difference between them and Leicester and Southampton in the summer after relegation was it was a massive battle for Leeds to pull in anything significant in the way of transfer fees, whereas Southampton and Leicester had plenty that they could sell and plenty that they could um bring money in for and also make and this is pretty crucial, make a big profit on, um, which helps with with your accounts. So I'm with Michael, if you are desperate to have Rodon long term and you think somebody else is going to take him then it makes sense to get in there and do it but if you're not actually under pressure to do it at this this point then it seems a little bit strange to be distracted by that one and, and to be investing in that one when you could be doing other things What about this um, rumour of Ben Davies that emerged at the start of the week we caught wind of this mm. um, we had a chat about it on Monday it was kind of mm, that's that's an interesting one Yeah, uh, an- another one from from Spurs and Lean Cheese is actually asking is our scout, uh, scouting criteria primarily <laughs> Spurs and Wales <laughs> Wales especially yes we have the way from the US um, uh, Davies looks the, the, the thing to think with Davies is that because Spurs have been doing business defensively, um, that it, he might become peripheral. And if he does peripheral, perhaps there'd be an opportunity there. Um, Davies seems to me to be one of those players that seems like quite a far-fetched idea that, that he tips up in the championship for, for six months. He's a really good player and, and has been pretty heavily involved at, at Tottenham. Um, so that would that would strike me as a, as a long shot. But, you know, that sort of signing would be absolutely terrific. He's got um, Leeds fans in the family, though, hasn't he? His dad is a Leeds fan, reportedly. So, so you never know. He's, he's best mates with, with Joe Rodon. Could he be in his ear saying, oh, it's brilliant here. I'm having a nice time. Come All the Welsh boys. Yeah, come yeah, and join On the Zoom, yeah. Do, do, is that really a thing? Is that well, like... players speaking to... Well, not players speaking to each other. Obviously, they do. But no, this no, little, little kind of... Oh, yeah, no. They, you, you do have cliques in football. You do have, like, friendship groups in football. Absolutely. But the players trying to sell transfers to other players is absolutely a thing, yeah. Yeah. It goes on all the time, yeah. Which is great if they want to come here, but if they want to leave, then don't do that. I mean, I won't name names, um, but, you know, over the years, clubs, including Leeds, have used certain players who they trust to speak well and sell a move well to get in there and, you know, make the make the right noises. It goes on all the time, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, well, and, there's, and, you know, sorry, back in the day, everybody used to go on about tapping up. Everybody just seems to have accepted now that tapping up is just... 
the name of the game, really. Yeah. Um, in terms of outgoings, then we'll just dive into some of the questions. Then Terry's asking um, any non-to update because that's again that's just been bubbling under the last couple of days. Any update? And if he As, goes, do they replace him? Not, not at, at this stage. If he goes, I think they have to replace him. Um, but Farker has been pretty clear on that one right from the start that he doesn't expect too much to move there. It it is strange that it keeps bubbling. Um, I think he's he's not had a he's not had a great season non-to has he? It's not been terrible but he he hasn't he hasn't done a huge amount and if you're pulling together a list of player of the year contenders he wouldn't be on it I don't think he'd be particularly close to it and I don't think what played out in the summer has been good for him at all I know that one of the things he was being told was that if he if he wasn't playing in the Premier League or if he wasn't playing above the championship his place in the Italy squad would, would be at stake and, and would be at risk with the Euros coming around it hasn't really felt like like that's particularly been the case um, Everton seemed to be the club making the biggest play for, for him they are in a fair amount of trouble to say the least um, in the Premier League so what he was kind of going after and his motivation for it seemed odd and I don't think it's I don't think it's been positive for him at all I don't think it's helped him to have a good season he's been superseded you know out wide particularly by Somerville who's been you know been excellent but but James had a really strong season as well um, so it, you, you always wonder with Nonto because it was so clear in the summer that he wanted to go. Now, he didn't make any secret of that and if he could have gone then then he would have done. But I haven't had the vibes from Farker at all up to this point that, that he's expecting that to happen. Hmm. What sort of money will be turning down in summer? Because we're always hearing now January is a bad time to buy because the market's inflated but we could benefit from that potentially if it gets to the final days of the window and someone panics and throws 40 million quid at us. I'd have to look back, but to the best of my knowledge, it was around about 15, million, 15 to 20 million quid, I think. I was um, going to say, given Everton's position financially now, as we know it, yeah. it, you would, it raises an eyebrow, doesn't it? It does. Um, I don't know how this season would have affected Nonto's valuation. Um, I don't know what clubs would have made of what went on in August because recruitment departments do tend to pay quite a lot of attention to that sort of thing. Um, a lot of thought given to character and an attitude as well as you know basic talent of which Nonto clearly has has absolutely loads but when I think about this I, I, I think to myself if if Leeds were to go up and I know it is an if at this point but if they were is he likely to get a, a move at this stage which in six months time is better than playing for Leeds in the in the Premier League I'm not so sure he, he will perhaps it is out there for him and perhaps they, they could find something for him but it would seem to me that a year in the championship if he then goes to the Euros and goes up with Leeds would be a pretty good scenario for yeah. somebody for somebody who was playing in Switzerland before he signed. Yeah, I mean, when you're 18, 19 years old, you don't necessarily have the life experience, do you, to, to look at things in the long term? Because when, no, you're, that, when you're that age, you're immortal and it's never going to change. Yeah, and, and it's easy for me to say. I mean, it's his career. Yeah, Rob's making an interesting point just in the uh, in the comments on YouTube, saying that Nonto doesn't deliver when he gets the chance, set against his limited number of games where he was half decent. Perhaps he's not that good after all. But I've used the phrase before on this show about you know chucking the baby out with the bathwater. So if he's had a good streak and then he's had, he's had a poor streak, then perhaps the truth is somewhere in the middle or he's capable of hitting those heights again. Are we too quick to push him out the door because he's had a bad season? He's a really good player and I don't think I've changed my, my view on that at all. Um, but he's he's had a pretty flat and low-key season to this point and perhaps it'll kick in for him before the end of it. Um I think what he needs almost is a bit of a reset, you know, a bit of a reset to, to start again, refresh, whether that's at Leeds, and I think it still can be at Leeds, but just to get himself going again, it feels properly like a, a winger who has stalled a bit um, and, you know, has stalled a bit because of because of his own actions, you know, and because of what went on in the summer when he, I think we all expected he would be comfortable first choice in the championship. 
but he, he kind of put his position in harm's way. Somerville has had the season of his career to this point. Dan James has been massively effective. And as we're seeing with Farker, you know, particularly I think Ampadu, the best example of this, but Farker likes players that he knows he can trust or thinks feels like he, he can trust. And and when it comes to his picking order and the hierarchy of who's being picked, it does seem to lean heavily on, you know, those he thinks he, he will get most from. And I think that that's why through the, the first half of the season, there were so few changes to the, the lineup because as it went on, that first team was the one that he liked. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Michael, sign a left back. Yeah, could do. Sign a left back. It's a good um, idea. Yeah, it? Ollie is just asking actually, on that, uh, Phil, any truth in the Giles rumour, Giles at Luton? If five million is true, I think we should get that done. Yeah, yeah, nay. Yeah, um, interested. Yeah, no. Um, I think it was Popey um, on Radio Leeds who who ran that one a couple of weeks ago. Um, left backs, left backs, interesting though because I always feel that if Farker felt like he could rely properly on Byram and Furpo to be always fit um, and so on for the second half of the season, I don't think he would particularly want a left back. But there just are issues there, you know. Yeah. Furpo's form, um, and I think the the issue with Furpo is defensively just never. He never quite looks on it. With Byron, Byron's been really good this season. But you, you, I guess if you're being sensible, you have to ask, are these little niggles, little tweaks in his hamstring that are creeping in, um, are they going to persist You know, through the, the second half of the season? So is he intermittently going to be out of the team? And if he is, then you, you have a problem there. So again, it's kind of like prudence, isn't it, really? Uh, question from Richard, and we'll do this as a final question just for this bit. We'll return to some more um, in a bit towards the end of the show. Is there any truth in the Archie Gray to Liverpool rumours? Uh, is this new contract protection? Has it got release clauses for the summer? Would make Richard very sad. I think it'd make us all very sad, wasn't it? Wouldn't it? Uh, my understanding was that the previous contract did have release clause provision in it. Um, I can't say for certain about this one, but it wouldn't surprise me if it did to some extent. If it does, it will be set at a very, very high level. Um, the the process with Gray is that when he couldn't sign professional terms until he turned seventeen, so as soon as he turned seventeen, he did. You know the club were were well in advance of that. There were about five or six other clubs who were really interested. He took he took reduced money at Leeds in the sense of a reduced wage compared to what was being offered elsewhere because he wanted to stay, um, and he did. So that was the kind of agreement. If everything was in place and, and they were happy with it, he would take a lower wage than than what he might be offered by by another club. But 
when he's 17, you can only sign for a certain length of time, which meant that his deal would have been up in 2025, which is a bit close for comfort as of now. So it was always going to be the plan and always the process to, to get him on a much more substantial and better contract um, as soon as he got to you know approach his, his 18th birthday. So this one, uh, our understanding is that it kind of activates as he turns 18 and then it ties him to, to 2028. Um, th- there's no universe, is there, in which you can say Archie Gray is going to be a Leeds United player for life because he is that good and people do think he will go right to the very top and any player like that is always going to be susceptible to offers. And I think... Are Liverpool interested in him? Liverpool interested in him back when he was in the academy. So we're Manchester City, so we're Tottenham. Everybody knows about Archie Gray. Um, and if you could have Archie Gray, then you would. Um, so, you know, I think it I, I, it would be a massive disappointment, I think, if he went in the summer, particularly if Leeds were, were to go up. But I think the idea of him one day moving on to fresh pastures is probably something that's worth getting your head around. People you know hate, I mean. hate I know they do, I know they do. But it's, you know... Um, why are you trying uh, to sell Archie Grove, Phil? Well, no, you see, I'm, I'm looking at I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at Hearts at the moment who have got Lawrence Shankland up front. And if anybody saw the derby, like that is what Shankland does. You know, he scores goals. He's best finisher. Phil, Phil, no one listens to this as a clue of this yeah. guy. No, no, he the, isn't. But get, the, stream, get, the streaming numbers are just going yeah, off a cliff. Yeah, just going, oh, here he goes, yeah. Um, but he's the best He's the best striker finisher that we've had, give or take, maybe two exceptions in, in my entire lifetime trying to get him on a new contract don't know if they will get him on a new contract if he ends up at Rangers it won't be any surprise at all it'll be massively frustrating it'll be really disappointing but you'll sit back and go well that's football isn't it um, but I think I don't think Archie Gray would be signing a new contract if he didn't want to be here put it that way he seems very very happy um, and very content I think the people around him are very happy and very content as well he's just a massive talent what can you say yeah and I think we're aware of the reality it's just that people don't like to confront it because no, fo- you know football no. exists in a dream world, doesn't it? We dream no, about things. Yeah, we have, we yeah. have ambitions. We don't want to. Yeah. We don't want to deal with the, the sort of. Uh... I, I blame you for asking me. <laughs> <laughs> this is my fault. Yeah, yeah excellent. Uh, well, it's, it's Preston on Sunday. Looking forward to the nice um, early start. Oh, immensely! Yeah, the, the kickoff time they all wanted. Uh, this one to me feels like one of the few games this season so far where I've got a proper revenge vibe about it, because that Boxing Day made me really sad. Because everyone was kind of so hyped for the Ipswich game on the 23rd yeah. of December and it completely made Christmas. And then you had that, you have that sort of Boxing Day anticlimactic thing that happens, which is then compounded by Leeds kicking off against Preston and it all going wrong. All going wrong, yeah. It was too early for starters, the game. That one was too early. The yeah. first one, yeah. Ban, ban early kickoffs. Um, the team was wrong. The team should have been refreshed to a certain degree, I think. Um, Melia shouldn't have done what he did. Um, Preston, I think, probably deserved to win. Strange because there was a, quite a lot of talk round about that game of Ryan Lowe at Preston being, they, they've lost a lot of games recently and of him being under a fair bit of pressure before that game. Um, there's also been in the past couple of weeks, you know, quite a bit of talk about him again, although they they have just picked up a win over Bristol City, which they which they really needed. But they're, um, they're, they're on the drift this season a little bit, if you know what I mean. They're kind of proper, proper mid-table. Surely, surely this is going to be a different game to to the one at Deepdale. I, I don't mean guarantee different result, but surely it's not going to play in in the same way as it did. You know, but you've said it now, haven't you? Well, but no, yeah. he should he shouldn't do because we do go into every home game thinking, well, we should win this. I mean, and the and the fact that we're undefeated at home this season, I don't look at this one and think this is the one we're likely to lose. I know Leeds United, being Leeds United, are always capable of doing Leeds United things, but just based on the balance of probabilities, it shouldn't be this game. 
I hope it's not. Uh, the one thing Parker will bite, knows, and, and, the and, and the one thing you'll see, I, I think, when we go and see him later on, is that they can play so much better than they did at Preston. And, and the thing that annoyed him afterwards, aside from Millie's red card, um, and the and the sort of you know diving stroke theatrics that went on round about it. Although I did think it was, I don't think it was a red card. It just kind of wasn't. You know, it wasn't like the doomsday device, was it? Um, was, it, was, on, it or, was it an orange card? Maybe it was an orange card, yeah. The thing is, we're all accustomed to that being a red card because it's a red card if you do that. Yeah. But it's not actually hurt him. So I think, no, ah, it's no, fine. It, I, I always remember going to covering a Barnsley game where somebody scored, took the, maybe Nardiello, took his top off, got booked. And afterwards, Andy Ritchie, um, ex-Leeds player, was manager at the time. And somebody said to him in the press conference, you know, it's it stupid that really wasn't it? Because, you know, he, he knew what was coming and you kind of expected um, Richie to just say, in the way that managers do, yeah, well, you know, rules are rules. But Richie just said, no, it's not. You know, like, who's who's offended or bothered about somebody taking the shirt off when, um, you know, when, when they score and, and, and celebrate? And he's kind of right, but those are the rules and, and that's that's what happens. And it's the same if you push somebody in the face, you, you're going to get a red card like that. But what I was going to say was that the, the annoyance for Farker, the thing that frustrated him at Preston, was just the lack of Zip and energy um, in in an attacking sense. Like Leeds, Leeds were not full of it that day at all. Um, mm. It was all just. I think he felt like they were playing within themselves. He didn't say it was complacent, but I think he felt like they could have pushed themselves to 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 play so much better and and, and have much more of a go at Preston's defence. Do you think we we tweak anything at right back because we haven't talked about Archie Gray? It was probably his toughest game, was that wasn't it? it was Miller cutting in and he caused it? He, well, he, he caused all the problems. In yeah, that game. Miller was Miller was an absolute nightmare all all game, and, and particularly for for Gray. Um, the, the, I suppose the question is though, what do you do? You know, you you now don't have Spence to fall back on. You Give him better have, support, maybe. Well, well, it's probably the way to think about it that you need to be doubling up on Miller if if Miller plays, or he, or you need to be defending more tightly against him. Leeds will have a lot of the ball, um, and and will will push on in in the way that they do. Uh, but your alternative there at the moment seems to be Shackleton, really, and I don't think Shackleton at right back necessarily looks like a safer pair of hands than than Archie Gray, which is why, in the grand scheme, you could really do with signing somebody there. I mean, also, Byron would be the other option if Furpo is fit. But the chance, I feel like the chances of both of them being fully fit, <laughs> fit enough to start a game are, are probably somewhere in the, the realms of uh, 13 consecutive FA Cup games. Oh, well, it was dead leg for Furpo um, down at Cardiff, which you wouldn't imagine would keep him out for a particularly long period of time. It's um, Julie Furpo, Phil. Well, yes. Um, but Byron um, was in the mix as well. So there are options there I still feel that Leeds are at the most balanced with, with Byron at left back though so I, I you know I think the sooner you can get him back into the team and into the flow of games the better and Bamford up front obviously you don't change anything up there do you That's, I don't think you do no, no, he's, he's, in, no. he's in his hot streak at the minute um, any other changes that you'd, you'd consider or does it, does it pick itself at this stage well what do you, what do, you do at centre back I mean it would depend a little bit I think on where we're at with Cooper and Stroik there certainly hasn't been the indication that Stroik was was rapidly returned at any point, but but Cooper potentially. But Ampadu and Rodon were very, very good at Cardiff, equally under very little pressure. I mean, I was writing about Gruev today, who I thought was really good down there, and actually it's quite, quite interesting when digging into his transfer from Werder Bremen a little bit and finding out you know, how much Werder Bremen actually wanted to keep him and how insistent he was that he wanted to go, even though it was kind of dropped down in level from the Bundesliga to the Championship. But he'd always wanted to come to England and he just, after he'd been at, Bremen for, for eight years um, through their academy and then the first team and just felt like he, he needed a change and he was he was very impressive against Cardiff but against a side who were not really putting any 
you know, any massive strain on Leeds midfield. The pressing was dead mediocre and they were they were really, really passive. And I think whereas I quite quite often look at Glenn Kamara and see a midfield as an example, we see a midfielder who is extremely um press resistant, I would have said. It it's yet to be seen with Gruev, you know, against really, really top side in this division, how how he copes. But he looks really good. Um and I think what you saw from him against Cardiff was exactly the player as as he's grown up and developed into, you know, defensive midfielder, but not a enforcer or a, you know, kind of hard man in that area, more controls it with technique and positioning and, and anticipation and everything else. So to cut to the chase, do you leave Ampadu at centre-back and do you leave Gruev in that role in front of the defence? I think you might. Yeah, you're right about Gruev, didn't you? He was, uh, he's been good this last week. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting dilemma, isn't it? Do you think maybe distribution has improved a bit more with having Ampadu in the back four? It's got to, I think, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, he's a, when you put a midfielder in there, it, it just will help. We spent more and, of his time at centre-back, hasn't and, it? That's and, one of the things Farker pointed out this mm, week. I feel like, weirdly as well, even though he's obviously still playing, I feel like it's as near as he's going to get to a rest this year as well. Because like you can, <laughs> you can, you can just play. Yeah, you just, can just play centre back instead. Yeah, keep it, keep out of trouble there. The, Farker was talking about this afterwards. Um, Gruev is a is a six basically. He's not. A, he, he he likes to play in a really deep role, and he is basically an Ampadu. Not identical players, but very very similar. Which kind of begs the question of if you're playing with a midfield two, which leads ten to, um, should you really have those two in together, given that they're they're so similar? Um, or do you need something that gives you a little bit of variety, i.e. somebody like Archie Gray? And we've discussed before the kind of attacking mind, attacking head that Archie Gray has as a midfielder, as opposed to others who do prefer to be in kind of deep lying positions. Um, and it makes me wonder whether the Gruev-Ampadu partnership is one that would really work or whether it needs to be needs to be different. But I think after the way it went at Cardiff and given that Leeds will have a lot of the game against Preston and it might shape up the same the same way. I mean I think Preston are better than Cardiff from what I've seen. Mm. Um I think he I think he'd be pretty tempted to to leave it as it is. What do you think about the general sort of uh, form and shape of the game? Do you think it'll it'll resemble a lot of what we've seen this season uh, yes. on the road against opposition sides? Will we'll Preston what did Preston do to us on Boxing Day that meant we didn't perform well? Was it our lack of attacking ambition? Yeah, or? I think it was more than yeah. anything. More than anything. They were very committed and, and they, they stuck at it. And I think they I think they realised quite early on in the game that there might be something in it for them because Leeds weren't playing particularly well. But I do think that the 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 biggest factor on the day, apart from the red card, and that obviously changed the game massively, but the biggest factor in Leeds' performance was just the, the complete absence of the, the usual spark up front, which just was was not there. Mm-hmm. I do I do feel we're still a bit unlucky in that game as well, because it wasn't like they were carving us open on a regular basis. They had a couple of chances and took them. And I, I don't, I would have to look back at it again, but I don't remember the XG being very high in that game for them. I think it was about 0.5 or something. Yeah. So it suggested they weren't, Really causing us any problems? It's just they, they going, took the chance they had. It's just going the other way. We didn't. We it was, didn't it was not a classic, um, <laughs> but they were. But they were. They were the better team. I felt. Yeah, um, a Fitzstewart Dallas would fix every problem we have, says Jamesy <laughs> in the, in the comments. Any any word on Dallas then, and where this is? It feels like it's it's heading towards a Liam Cooper, Luke Ayling, Stuart Dallas departure in the summer. The whole thing. Yeah, I do. I do think that that'll happen. Um, I'm, I'm not expecting contract extensions on, on that front do you remember we were saying about Dallas in Squid Game how he'd have been really good at everything because yeah. he just is really good at, at everything um, but what are we now middle of January so it's not it, far off two years it, it, it really is not far off two years which is a kind of extraordinary length of time for a, a player player to be out um, you just sort of wonder how it, 
I have to say it's quite difficult to see Dallas playing for Leeds again because even at this point, you know, when we asked Farker about him, he's training on his own. There've been intermittent points where he's joined in with um, with the main training group, um, but it hasn't kind of. It's he's not got onto that steady run of injury comeback in the way that players normally do. Of gets over it, gets back into the squad, plays a couple of twenty ones games, gets gets back in in the mix. Um, and I suppose the, the biggest thing for him is going to be when his leg is properly tested under the stress of competitive football, which is faster and more intense and more, you know, puts more strain on on even, you know, the best athletes' bodies. Um, it's, yeah, it's going to be a big test for him, big yeah. examination of how, how that holds up. Um, but I think, I think we are definitely coming to the end of that era mm. of player and you're going to be left now. I was writing this in the Ailing piece um, last week. The players who are left at the end of this season who have, Bielsa links will be players who were kind of babies when he came in, you know, Stroik, Shackleton, um, Melier, your older guard, um, with the exception of Bamford. All right, all right David on. O'Leary. <laughs> Another generation of babies. Um, we'll dive back into some of the questions if we can. Um, one player who will presumably be missing and seems to be heading for the exit door, Creswell. Um, is there is there an attitude problem there? Is it, is it a clash of personalities? What is it Tom's asking in the, in the YouTube comments? It's... It seems from our position to be an age old, the age old thing of player versus manager, who's in charge, um, and the answer to that is is Farker. I think from what Farker says, he he does understand where Creswell's coming from when when Creswell is saying, "I want to be playing more, I want more minutes." Um, even I think Creswell saying, "I feel like I should be one of the the you know first two centre backs in line. I should be starting all the time." I think Farker isn't saying you don't actually have the talent for that or you're not good enough for that. But I think what he is saying, and, and this is a really valid point, is that there's no way you can look at Rodon's form if you're playing Creswell on the right side of the centre-backs and say that he's in any way opened up that position to you know to debate at all. He just hasn't. I mean, he's been one of one of Leeds' most consistent players, one of the best players. Um, and so you pick him every week, which is, which is what's happening. Um, what I think was, the, the thing that was most, uh, that I took away from Farker's comments last week was he wasn't, Accusing Creswell of being unprofessional, um, so he wasn't talking about you know lateness in the way that had been an issue with Spence. Um, but he was pointing out that when they were away for games and so on, he just got the sense of Creswell's body language being that of somebody who wasn't happy, didn't necessarily want to be there, or wasn't you know wasn't loving it, wasn't enjoying it, wasn't totally focused. And this isn't the first time that Farker has basically ostracised somebody at the point where that's happened. You know, it was the same with Nonto. It's like you're either in or you're out, and it can't be. You can't be in the middle and it can't be um, a grey area. The problem is there are a lot of clubs who would happily take Creswell on loan, but that doesn't work for Leeds, partly because a lot of those clubs are in the championship. So that makes absolutely no sense. They would do a permanent, um, and I think that would be the best solution at this stage for everybody, um, given the, the circumstances. But they would want a good four or five million pounds for him. Um, and, you know, Creswell hasn't really played since last season. He is still very young. The England under 21 international, so he definitely has a certain value. Um, but that's... For the, the clubs that would be keen, that's quite a lot of cash. Do you think maybe Creswell's style just doesn't quite fit with what Farker's trying to do? Because it feels like he wants people who are good good with the ball at their feet and we're not we're not particularly in the position we're in the league. We're not really a defensive side, are we? So it feels like Creswell's strengths are he's good in the air, he's brave, he kind of loves a tackle, but he's not particularly quick. And I wouldn't say with the ball at his feet is his, is probably one of his strongest suits either. Is, is I think, a fair point. And the centre-backs as... Um, Parker's using them or the sort of centre-backs he's after remind me quite a lot of the centre-backs that 
Bielsa used to like in his team and actually that a lot of modern coaches like these days which is basically really good ball players um, so can defend and I have to say like Rodon's defensive anticipation um, is, is like his defensive skills are really strong really strong in this division there's no question about that you do sometimes get defenders who seem like they're better on the ball but when it comes to actual basic defensive um, responsibilities I'm not quite there but Rodon seems to to have it all um, as a championship player certainly um, and I just don't think, unless you, you were playing Creswell on the left and Farkad again does seem wedded to this idea of right footer on the right, left footer on, on the left, which is why Cooper and Stroik compete for that other slot. If um, if Creswell is on the right, he just isn't getting into this team at the moment, is he? So I, I, I understand why he doesn't feel like he's playing enough and we'd want to go. But if, for example, you've got Ipswich saying, we like Creswell, we'd, we'd take him. You know, you're not going to do it, are you? No, of course not. Um, there is, it feels like there's a bit of a a reckoning coming for that generation of young players who were brought mm. in and through, doesn't it? Good point. Uh, yeah. Like like Gelhart and so on and so forth. You know, and, and Creswell, I suppose, the the sort of the 21s generation that's now a little bit too old for the 21s, if you like. Um, I, I think the difference is that you couldn't talk about Gelhart as somebody who's been brought through. I know he came into the academy, but the, I think the reckoning is more coming, and you're right, basically, but um, is more coming for this crop of players who they've spent money on, you know, academy players, mm. very few of whom have done anything of note. You know, it's it, it seems quite telling to me that still the you know the, the kind of leading academy talent, Archie Gray, is one who's been and and this applies to loads of the the better academy players going back over the years, including Byram um, and you know Johnny Howson and Delph and others like that. It's one of those who's been in the system for ages. You know, Gray goes back a long, long way in the academy system. Those that they've brought in and have spent money for, Sonny Perkins um, being a, another example, um, it, uh, Lewis Bate, it just there's been very little productivity there. It, it hasn't. It hasn't paid off to this point. I guess you justify those in in the terms of Pascal Strauch, Somerville. You go well. The sale of those two would offset it all. And I guess it's something that it maybe comes down to the way we're being run with Alter is that it felt sometimes like we were getting a bit ahead of ourselves and trying to do that thing of building this stream of academy players in the way that people like Man City do, just constantly acquiring you know teenagers for to maybe one day play for them. But we did that and put maybe too much faith in the pathway. Yeah, as it was always talked about. You're right, though. Like I mean, Somerville is a counterpoint, and and Stroik as well. And I suppose to a degree, you could say Melier. So you win some and and you lose some. And I don't think any of these players were bad players or not necessarily worth a gamble. If that makes sense, there are a lot of people at Chelsea who like Lewis Bay. There are loads of people at West Ham who like Sonny Perkins. Um, loads of people in the game who who liked Gilhart. But it doesn't feel as if the the pathway is what for them. Um, that it's almost as if the, there hasn't been, in the end, a, a pathway that was there and was was going to help them come through. Because I mean, Bate now is about six months away from his contract, and, and will surely move on at the end of that. Perkins is in that annoying position where he's already played for Leeds and Oxford this season, so he can't go out on loan again because he can't play for three clubs in um, a single a single year. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of strange. You're right though, Somerville is working really nicely. Strike is working really nicely, but there are others in that crop where it just has not not paid off. Do you expect Perkins to drop into the under-21s or is he done as far as Farker's concerned? Because he was, it was quite damning of him earlier and then he's obviously gone to Oxford and not particularly done anything there either. I think he'll certainly be around the academy, yeah. He's going to have to be because he can't go out anywhere else. Um, I mean, his contract is to Leeds United, isn't well, it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but th- there's a bit of this going on at the moment that players who've played in the, the EFL's trophy earlier in the season for the parent clubs and have played like once or twice or have had the odd minute um, then go out on loan. It doesn't work 
uh, they come back and because there's no point in staying. I mean, there is literally no point in Perkins kicking around Oxford doing next to nothing. But it leaves him with no opportunity now to, to move on or do anything else until next summer. Um, so they're kind of quirk of the rules, which is not great. I was going to say, what is the point of that rule? I think the, the thinking behind it is basically so that you're not just bouncing from club to club to club all the time. Um, but I suppose it stops um, clubs farming players as well, doesn't it? Because that never happens. Well, no, well, I think, I don't know if it's maybe a, a point trying to address the fact that that's happened mm, so much yeah. where, you know, so you can hoover up all the best young talent, uh, send it out, then, send it out, send it out, maybe play it once, whatever. But, you know. Yeah, um, it's it's basically to, to control that. But the, it makes total sense if... It seemed to me that it made a bit more sense back when you had um, emergency windows because you might have had players who'd contributed heavily to or, or a fair amount to one club season and then to, to the next. But what is happening quite a lot now is that you have players who have basically hardly played um, at all in a season on the basis that one loan didn't work out. They maybe had a bit of a kick for the parent club right at the start of the year, but then they can't go anywhere else in January. So they find themselves doing nothing. And I don't really see how that's um, good for, for anyone either. But them's the rules. A bit, like, bit like taking your shirt off and getting booked. <laughs> Will you be taking your shirt off and getting booked anytime soon, Phil? Yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah good. The usual routine. Uh, right, just wrapping up some of the questions then. Samuel's asking, Jade Anthony, is he staying? Feels unproductive for both parties. Uh, the plan was to keep him, yes. And I've still been, still been involved. Do you think he's suffering from the same problem that... Um, that Nonto is to a Very certain extent so. in that Dan yeah. James and, and yeah. uh, Somerville are both in great form. What do you do about that? Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And the, the pecking order and the selection policy has been quite rigid, hasn't it? There hasn't been a massive amount of rotation. Um, I feel like Jane Anthony would have been a first choice winger for us in probably all but this season yeah. in the championship of, yeah. the, of the many, many years we were here. And I, and I suppose the, there's then the uh, the willingness to try and accommodate Piru at 10 with um, Ruter further forward. We've got It's the proverbial embarrassment of riches, isn't it? Well, Carvalho, who's who's just gone to Hull, the big thing for Liverpool was he has to have minutes. You know, Um, he'd been uh, he'd been out in Germany, had played, come back, and and so from their perspective, it wasn't a case of needs to go to a certain level. It was a case of needs to needs to get games. Um, Hull can can promise him that um, with Leeds. If Leeds were saying with Carvalho, yeah, we'll play him all the time. If you're savvy and got a brain in Liverpool's recruitment department, you're going to look at it and go, yeah, but what about? Jorginho Ruta because the likelihood is that they don't both fit into the same mm. lineup. So is he really going to play? No, he probably probably isn't, um, and that kind of kind of makes it tricky. Um, but yeah, I, I agree about Anthony. I think he, I think he's a sort of player who, if he played a lot of games, would get on a roll and would be really good. I think it's quite hard for him to make an impact in the in the little moments that he's he's getting. But yeah, I can think of plenty of Leeds teams where he'd have got a game for sure. Just with reference to an advanced midfielder, then uh, number ten, Amiri. Anything? That's all in that. Um, Amiri hasn't been mentioned to me. Uh, there's the talk about Brooks down at Bournemouth. Um, a lot of people think Bournemouth might actually soften on Brooks as mm. the window gets towards the end. But having said that, at the start of the window, they seemed very uncertain about whether or not they wanted him to go. A uh, bit of news today then on Foreshaw. That's just actually just broken yeah. just now, isn't it? Before we um, we started streaming, going to, to Plymouth. Yes. Um, strange to see the Norwich move not working. Um, considering we nearly extended, says Fergal. I don't know. I, I haven't had a look in, while we've been um, live. Um, I don't know whether that's been done or not, but he certainly is speaking to Plymouth and um, it would be permanent. He's only got six months left on his contract at Norwich, but no, it hasn't hasn't worked out for him. And there's a player who, who really needs to get playing again, yeah. Go retire by the seaside. <laughs> you so. see, I, I don't think that's his style though. You know, I think he's one of those who would want to play as for as long as he could and as much as he could. I think he's one of those who definitely knows that in terms of your career, once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, if we go up, will the 49ers sell up and take the profit? Says John. Don't think so. No. I mean, I, I, I suppose that depends on which global state arrives and offers you billions and billions of pounds. But no, I mean, they when they speak about this... Um, it's a medium to long-term thing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, no, they, they talk, they, I've, I've heard Marathi talk before about, you know, being here for... 10 to 15 years like something something mm. like that and, and um, don't take your eyes off the stadium that's the absolute cornerstone to the whole thing isn't it yeah. if Leeds end up with yeah. a, mo- a modern stadium with you know more, bo- more bombs on seats um, that's how you increase the value of the club Yeah, I think that, I think they will obviously in the Premier League one day look to sellers but I think they'd be looking for billions at the point that they sell us rather than a but couple that, of hundred million that we'd get next if they sell straight away but that's the point isn't it that that's where you, know, you can the sporting aspect to this, but financial aspect to it. If you build the club up and you do give them a new ground and you completely revolutionise the um, commercial revenue streams and everything else, then I think in their mind they could see a day where Leeds were worth in excess of a billion pounds. You know, which is not unrealistic when you look at the way in which the value of, of Premier League clubs is rising and rising and rising. And also, really, the the thing that jumped out to me a little while back now was um, the the annual revenue that Manchester City have now and. As much as you can fight over that and, you know, ask questions about it, massive amounts of money. I mean, like, huge. The commercial team there does do fantastic work. Yeah, yeah. Getting those sponsors in. How do they do it? It's just a, just, just tenacious no. work. Wow. Uh, 115 charges in other news. Um, anyway, uh, why, why did you wink at me then, Phil? <laughs> uh, the loanees, is it true, asks JTNR uh, what the situation is with the loanees. Is it true that if we don't go up, then the loan clauses remain active and they can stay out on loan? I can I can jump in and preemptively answer some of this because I did ask about that. And um, whilst it's confidential, isn't it? It's contracts. The contents of contracts are confidential. Easy for me to say. It doesn't uh, stop us talking about them. No. Um, so the club wouldn't comment, obviously, on specifics. But the understanding is that in most cases, they don't apply, do they? So everybody I, would be back, barring I one or two. I believe Harrison is yeah. one where it does. So if Leeds didn't go up, I think I'm right in saying that there is scope in his contract for him to go on loan in similar fashion again, but I don't think it applies to many. What a weird renewal that turned out to be then, eh? So they're shipping him off to Leicester one day, then he's signing a new contract before the season's out, then we get relegated, then he's out on loan, then he's out on loan again potentially. Strange. Uh, well, that's, the, we... that's the right-back problem for next season sorted, though. What, Jack Harrison? No, Rasmus coming back. Oh. Well, maybe they Anyone? should call them early now that... Um, well, I was going to say, yeah, it, it, has been, yeah. it has been asked about in the in the comments. Any chance of any of them coming back in? Because um, there was a little bit of a rumour a week or two back about um, about Aronson. I don't get the sense that Farker wants any of them back. I think he's happy with what he's got and I think he's of the mindset that... Is, is there a risk it could imbalance the squad? Well, of course, yeah, and, yeah. and up, upset the place. Yeah. Um, I don't think the crowd would be crowing for many of them to, to return either. Aronson's um, balance in itself is an issue. <laughs> But it's, it, it, you know, it, it's before the window, we were asking Farker about what January was likely to be like. Um, and he said he thought it'd be quiet and think there'd be too much going on. And he said, you know, for this season, the major decisions were taken in the summer, which is what you bet clubs tend to do. They tend to get the ducks in a row before the season starts rather than really having to, to scramble in January. And I think that applied to the outs and it applied to the, the ins as well. He's never really said in, you know, kind of, explicit detail what he felt about the players going and players I mean I you've seen Robin Koch um, signing for Eintracht Frankfurt uh, last week agreeing a permanent deal which will kick in when his contract at Leeds ends in the summer um, and I was asked if I wanted to ask some questions of Koch so I basically sent him a list of questions saying do you understand the, the kind of frustration and the anger with, with all this to which he said well yeah I kind of I kind of do but 
you know, I had to sort of do what's best for my career. Um, everybody's entitled to take that decision, but I think at the same time, everybody's entitled to take the view of, of players making that decision too. And I just don't think that recalling many of these would necessarily help massively in a footballing sense anyway, um, but I'm not sure it would it would do much for the mood either. Shall we do the uh, the and finally story that you get at the end of the news now? Oh, yes. So uh, we'll yeah. finish on, on Ben's question. Phil, if you could be any animal, what would it be and why? Any animal? I'd be a tortoise. We've got a tortoise. Right. It's called Bielsa. It's yep. not my doing. It was my youngest. Um, and he sits under a heat lamp all day, every day. So he does. In between eating leaves. Fantastic. I was going to say, it sounds like a great life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you, like, live, you live 100 years. I look you... at him all the time. <laughs> think. Yes, please. Right. Well, we'll wrap it up there then. Uh, we'll be back on Monday, you and I, to to debrief the, the Preston game. Uh, what do you reckon for the Preston game? Win, lose, draw? 3-0. Three, three, that's what we do now, isn't that's it? That's what we do. Yeah. 3-0 off Farker out? No, I'll go 3-0. Yeah. Cool. Right. Well, thank you for joining us on the live stream. We really appreciate your uh, your company on this one. We're all off to read the, the Jake Humphrey interview now on The Athletic, Phil. Enjoy. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.